0: Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast, available on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Hello and welcome to the Daily Digest from Football Digest. I'm Ned Keaton and joining me this morning is Felix Keith and Alex Richards as we run the rule over the latest rumours from the January transfer window. Um, We're going to start this morning, gentlemen, with uh, Tongi and Domelie and obviously come on to Spurs a little bit more. But um, Felix, Tongi is a a player who, myself as a Spurs fan, I know all too well, pretty much every window since he's been at the club. There has been this talk about him leaving, either him wanting to leave or whoever the manager happened to be at that time, because let's not forget he's had uh, four permanent managers and, and one interim in only two and a half years at Tottenham. But there's always been these stories whenever we've been in the transfer window uh, about him wanting to leave or, or the manager wanting to 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 move him on. Um, but I think now we've reached that point where it looks like finally this this could be the end of the road for Tommy and Tom Bley. Obviously, yesterday against Morecambe in the FA Cup, uh, his departure from the field of play as, as he was substituted didn't go down particularly well with the home support. And I suppose once you lose the fans, um, as well as potentially having lost the manager as well, it, it's a very, very difficult place to come back from.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you hit sort of hit the nail on the head with mentioning the number of managers he's had. So since they spent, I think it was initial fee of fifty-five million pounds. So like club record signing. If you're going to buy someone like that, you need to. It needs to work, really, doesn't it? Because it's on. But the number of managers that they've gone through, he's the type of player where he doesn't really fit into the system that you want to play or whatever. It's going to become increasingly difficult and. I think, like you said previously, I think the fans are on board because he's such an exciting player. But if you're going to, like you say, you lose them and the manager's not happy with you as well, then you are sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place. So I think, like you said, it could be the end of the road, but I think they're going to have difficulty selling him because he's still on contract till June 2025. And he's on apparently £200,000 a week and trying to find a team that can afford to take him, even if they might want to, is going to be really difficult. So... If they could maybe loan him out, but they'll need, I would have thought that they'll want someone that can at least pay some of his wages. So as talented as he is, I think it could be the end of the line, but we could see that he, they can't um, lose him in January. So he could just be sitting on the bench, getting paid a lot of money. So I think it's going to be difficult for Spurs.
0: Alex, Felix does raise a good point there about, you know, Spurs for, for all their intentions in wanting to shift him on. It is the difficulty in shifting him on. Daniel Levy, we know, is a, a very tough negotiator. And when he sets a certain price or he has a certain price in his mind as to whether or not he's buying a player or selling the player, that is the price that he's going to get. And if he doesn't get it, as Felix says there, it looks very likely that... Um, whether or not Tommy Dombalay does end up moving away from Spurs this window. He's not probably going to play for the club again, but it might be that little bit difficult, especially in the January window as well. Clubs are perhaps a little bit more reluctant to to go out and splash the cash. Who knows maybe Newcastle might come in for a bid with with all the money in the world that they've got at the minute. But yeah, Spurs might want to shift Ndombele on, Alex, but it, it doesn't necessarily work that way and that he might still be here come, come February 1st.
2: No, absolutely not. And uh, as Felix said, he's got a very lucrative contract but you know if, if spurs want to push him out i guess he will want that pain in in some way um he's not he's not just going to go and take a big hit on that when when he doesn't need to um spurs have got this difficulty now in that everybody knows he's kind of an ill fit everyone, everyone has seen over the last few years but he's a, he's a tremendous player when he's at it he's just not Shown that quality enough. I think if you are a rival manager and you're looking at Spurs, you you, you kind of fear Harry Kane and, and song. You respect Lucas Mora because he can he can do you damage, and you think Tanguy Ndombélé, if he's at his best, he can really cause you damage because he can break through most midfields. He's got that quality. He, he just didn't do it often enough. Um, I think there will be teams who will look at him, who will think perhaps you know what he'd, he'd be he'd be worth a poke. He'd be worth what's having to look at. But then you mentioned the figures that Spurs will probably want. Now, if they've spent over 50-plus million on him, yes, they're going to have to accept that they'll take a hit on that in some way. But they're not going to take a huge hit. He's not going to be going for 15 million or something or something low. He's not going to be going for less than 20 million. Um, and then any new club is going to have to pick up his wages. Now, Spurs will want him off the books completely. But a new club, there are only certain clubs that can pay that sort of, sort of weekly figure if they're not interested and Spurs have to look slightly lower down the level, you then don't have the guarantee that Ndombele really wants to go to a supposed lesser club and that those supposed lesser clubs aren't going to be paying those wages. So then he's still kind of on Spurs books in that they'll probably have to do some sort of deal where they're still paying him some money anyway. So then why don't you keep a player of his quality who you know when he does want to can break open games for you? It's, it's such a difficult situation and... You know, there's so much talent there and and it's so disappointing to see it go this way. But the truth of of the matter is that it just hasn't happened for him under a number of managers and and it does look like a part in a way is his best.
0: Felix, I suppose when it comes to Ndombele, I suppose guilty of not finding a way to get the best out of him. (laughs) Obviously, we touched on four managers, so it's a bit difficult maybe for all of them to to do their work and they've probably only got about six months as an average between them. But I suppose guilty of signing this player and then not necessarily knowing why they. Signed him, you know, kind of trying to, you know, it was almost like a a kind of, I don't want to say vanity signing, but it it just, you know, even going back to to when Spurs first signed him, it just, it 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 seemed like they didn't really understand what they'd got. They spent all this money on a player who was talented, and everyone was raving about from France, but they never really seemed to understand where his best position was in their team.
1: Yeah, I I think there's definitely something in that, and I was thinking about sort of reminds me of Donny Van Der Beek situation. Not the same sort of player, but. A player signed for whoever you signed for more money than Van der Beek, but that then you've signed him, and it seems that you need a plan to play these sort of like box to box players, someone that can get forward from midfield. And then that hasn't really happened. But I looked at his stats, and he actually has got 10 goals, nine assists, and 91 appearances for Spurs. And during the same sort of time at Leon, so he made 96 appearances for them, it, it, it's the same combined goals and assists. And obviously, there's more to a midfielder than goals and assists, but It does show that maybe he's like, and a lot of those would be substitute appearances. So like, what are they expecting from him? Like he's, he's the same creative output there. Um, And yeah, you you could argue that if you're going to pay 55 million pounds for a player and pay him all that money, you need to sort of build around him. And I I don't think they have done that, but conversely, you could say, like Alex was saying, he hasn't actually shown enough that you should be building around him. If if he's shown, like we've seen these glimpses of him, you know, you go past a load of players or score a wonder goal, but it it just hasn't been happening consistently enough. And I think if you're a manager coming in, you don't really have that. Um, why should I build around him? Like, And it doesn't seem that he's been impressing in training and stuff from from what we've been hearing from those four or five managers. So it, it's a tricky one, but I suppose the club would still like it to work out, but it comes to a point where you just have to try and cut your losses, I suppose.
0: Alex, by the of it from Tottenham, uh, it's not just Tongi and Donnelly who they're going to try and move on this month. Um, Stephen Bergvai, despite Antonio Conte last month saying that he was going to see him as as this kind of backup to to Harry Kane, potentially hinting at a, a new role for him in in this Tottenham team going forward. Uh, Looks like he might also be on his way out of the exit door from the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um, And and much like Ndombele, it's not really worked out for him, uh, as as Spurs would have liked. You know, They kind of came in, he started so well, obviously got that goal against Man City, he's got a great goal against Man United but in Premier League, restarted following the COVID outbreak as well. But I suppose that, that was one area of the field where Spurs kind of was, were always quite strong. You know, Lucas Moura, Humin Song, uh, up until last season as well, Eric Lamella in there as well. And and it was it was always going to be difficult for Bergwijn to try and kind of nail down a starting spot when you did have those players to compete against. And, and even now, again, you know, with, with that kind of front three, trying to get in and break up that partnership between Moura and Kane and, and Song.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I think if you look at Lucas Moore, he's not a, a guaranteed first choice in that side, but he's always going to be ahead of Steven Bergwijn in in, in, in the selection. Um, I think he's a good player. I think he, he works extremely hard. I think one of the things that, it, that kind of came across was when he signed, you, you, you're signing this attacking winger with an eye for goal who can beat players and can create chances. What we've actually seen him develop into, particularly under Jose Mourinho, was, well, He's actually doing a lot of defensive work, and it's about him getting the ball from in his own defensive third and getting it over the pitch by beating a man or or using his pace on a counter attack. He's adapted his game a hell of a lot to, to how Nourinho wanted to play, and I don't think we've ever really seen the best of him as a player in the final third who is fully confident destroying defenders. Um, I think, like in he he's suffered with inconsistencies, um, perhaps the goal output isn't quite what you'd expect. But I think it's a difficult life in that, you know, when they're all fit and they're all firing, he's always going to have Son, Kane, Lucas in front of him, um, and you can't really shoehorn him into the team when all those three are in there. Um, again, you're looking for a buyer, and you're looking at somebody who who would be interested in in taking Seinberg this month. It's another potentially difficult sale for Spurs. You Clubs back in Holland The only one really Would be Ajax And, and they can offer Champions League football And, and they do pay Decent money um, You look like Among the Premier League Obviously Newcastle United With their money Right now Does anybody else Really have the kind of Finances that would be Required and, and can kind of Appeal to him In the way that Come to us You'll get regular First team football We're pushing for Europe And whatnot. I'm not really sure They are Um I'm not really sure there are that many so again this is a, a difficult sale for Spurs in, in this window and, but I, I think if you're Antonio Conte I think if Stephen Burgride still there off every first I don't think you're I don't think you're against that completely because you, you've got a player that you know will work his socks off and, and will always do his best for the team and, and again does create those moments not as consistently as you would like but he is capable of grabbing a goal
0: Newcastle is a destination that I think we've touted for both Ndombele and Don and Bergvine this morning, Felix. But um, themselves, they're looking more at a, a central striker by the sounds of it at the moment. They've obviously signed Kieran Trippier to, to tighten up the defence. That didn't really work out too well against Cambridge. <laughs> no, it hasn't at all. Um, and they probably need a few more defensive reinforcements at the minute. So, Felix, is it a bit? Strange that, you know, you kind of open the papers this morning, you see Newcastle being linked with, with Burnley's Chris Wood and, and with Noah Okafor, uh, a Swiss striker as well, rather than, you know, obviously in the past they've been linked with Sven Botman. last week they were linked with Diego Carlos, but they seem to be moving for a striker maybe next, rather than, again, where the defence, which still needs a bit of tightening.
1: Yeah, I, I think it is perhaps a bit strange, but really they're, they're, they're in need of reinforcement sort of all over the pitch. Obviously, the defence is the biggest worry because that's what is sending them down at the moment. They've scored 19 in 19 games in the Premier League, which isn't great, but it's not the worst. But they're the, they've conceded 42, which is the joint worst with Norwich, and that's what's damaging them. Um, I, I think their look for a striker has definitely been... is all about Callum Wilson being fit. I think he, he obviously went off injured um, a few weeks ago, and they're worrying about that. Um, but they seem to have been linked with just about everyone. But I think they do need another central striker, especially with Wilson's got brilliant goal scoring record, but he's also got a poor injury record. So you need someone reliable that's going to be able to play for the rest of the season. And yeah, they're, they're, they're completely relying on Wilson. He's got six goals to maximum have four. No one else has scored more than one goal for them this season in all competitions. So they, they definitely need to diversify their attack. Um And if, if you can't trust the defense and you like, you, it might be worth trying to just go more out for attack. So I think they just need. To, I think as we've sort of seen, they've been linked with so many players that, with the new owners in their first transfer window, desperate not to get relegated, they're just trying to see as many as they can get. in. there's been reports that they want you know five or six different players. So I, th- I think they just need to try and get whoever they can really, because obviously the the difficulty there is that they they they're threatened by relegation, so you can't. Beggars beggars can't be choosers, really, because players are going to be worried about um, signing for a club that then gets relegated to the Championship. So, it, yeah, it's it's, tr- it's tricky for them, even though they've got. And also, I suppose they've got so much money. Everyone knows they've got lots of money. That also causes its own problem. So,
2: it's tricky.
0: Alex Chriswood isn't the sexiest of names. I don't think he'd be upset with us saying that, but when you've got all this money in the world to spend, you know, and kind of, you know, it, it, we're almost expecting like a Northeast Galacticos to, to kind of form and probably will do at some point in the future, but you've got all this money in the world to spend. You, Chris would probably wouldn't be top of your, your shopping list, but Felix probably touched on it a little bit there. I feel in that, is this a signing that perhaps they're looking at and and the same goes with Trippier again, I think we mentioned this on, on Friday's podcast about Newcastle are trying to recruit players who might have the right personality for a relegation battle. I mean, we'd seen in the past that they have been linked with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and obviously there would be huge question marks about whether or not he's got the, the, the kind of the fight and the hunger within him. You know, given the money that he would be on at Newcastle, whether or not he'd be able to stand up to to a relegation battle. But I don't think you could level those same accusations at, at Chris Wood. So maybe where he's not this this big, high profile name, he might be the right type of player uh, that Newcastle need going forward.
2: He, he might well be, but your argument then becomes that you you are getting the quality you would get with an Aubameyang. Um, I think Chris Wood has proven himself to be a very good Premier League striker over the years. You know, he's, every year he's been at Burnley, he's hit double figures it's kind of ironic now that with 18 months left on his deal, Newcastle are potentially coming and, and looking at him and go, okay, hey, come over, come over leave Burnley's relegation, scrap and join us at a time when he is really struggling. He's only got three goals in the Premier League this season. He's been subbed on a number of occasions early by Sean Dyche. Um, It's probably the most unhappy you've seen Chris Wood in a Burnley, in a Burnley shirt, quite frankly. Um, Things aren't going particularly well for him at Turf They're not really going well for Burnley in comparison to how they have in recent seasons. But as we know, with Burnley, they always get into these kind of scrapes and then work their way out. Um, I don't understand why they would let Chris Wood leave. Um, his contract isn't up this summer. It's up in 2023. So you've got 18 months to work with there. And he, he's now 30. He's not 31 till December. So, you, you know, he, you've got a good couple of years left in him. Now, obviously, this is Newcastle. So if they come and they offer you £25 million for Chris Wood, you have to think about it. Um, why would you let a, a player leave you when you're in a relegation battle to join a relegation rival? Um, that that will say a lot about Sean Dyche's thinking, isn't it? and it'll say a lot about Burnley's thinking about Chris Wood right now, if this does come to fruition. Um, from Newcastle's point of view, as Felix said, it's very much about Callum Wilson, isn't it? If he, if he was fully fit and firing, this wouldn't be a, a conversation so much. Um, but he's not and he's going to be on the sidelines so I think he's under six to eight weeks so you, they need someone because they need somebody that can basically take the load off the side that can win three kicks and, and it gives Alan Saint maximum a target because he can't do everything which which quite frankly is what is being asked of him um, so I find it I find it they a strange one I think this is the kind of market Newcastle are in at the moment because you can't go and sign all these wonderful star names that everybody wants to link them with at the moment because quite frankly these star names don't want to come and be in a relegation battle they don't want to be looking at it and going okay in four months time I might be a championship footballer and Newcastle don't want to be giving big money contracts to these players and having them turn around and go I'd like a relegation release course please because I don't want to be here next season if you're not in the Premier League well what does that say about those players when they're walking through the door and already looking at okay if this goes wrong I need to get out it's interesting, it's, it, this is the market Newcastle have to be in, Um, I think we saw at the weekend with that loss that there are a lot of issues there that Eddie Howe needs to address, and he needs to address quickly, otherwise they are going to be a championship club, can Chris Wood help them in that respect? The Chris Wood of recent seasons, yes, the Chris Wood of this season, possibly not, and, and possibly it's something that Burnley, if they're looking at it and they're going, okay, we're get a decent offering, something for them to think about even though he is their first choice number nine at the moment.
0: Moving on to Aston Villa now, chaps. Uh, Lucas Digna looks to be heading to Villa Park uh, following Felipe Coutinho moving to the Midlands at uh, this window. It was a player that was linked, uh, Felix, with, with Chelsea and, and with all the money that, that's going on at Newcastle as well. But but Villa listening to have kind of stolen in a bit later. There weren't necessarily a name that we were kind of all suggesting that all oh, they could be in there. And especially because Matt Target uh, was doing a, a, a decent job for them at left-back. You know, you, you look at that squad and you wouldn't have said that, that left-back is, is absolutely where they needed to strengthen. Um, but he, he's on his way to, to Aston Villa. And I, I suppose that does then beg the question of, of what next for poor old Matt Target and whether or not he could be on the way out this this January you know it's, it's an interesting move much like Coutinho you kind of you can see where he fits in but you don't necessarily see where he properly properly fits in if that makes sense
1: I, I think it. if you look at their squad you've got Matt Target and then Ashley Young that can sort of fill in either right or left back it 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 sort of makes sense but like you say it wasn't an obvious one like they have a they have a left back that's fit and able but I think you'd struggle to argue that it isn't that he isn't uh, an upgrade on target if he's like you know playing as best he, he can obviously he came to Everton from Barcelona and he's, he's done he's done well for Everton really the only reason he's leaving is because he's fallen out with Rafa Benitez it's not like there are other problems there that we know about. So, yeah, I think I think you might say it's a bit tough on that target. But the whole idea of getting Steven Gerrard in is to show some like ambition, more ambition at Villa, and getting a good left back. So you have two left backs is is not a it's not a bad move, I suppose. Yeah, they, and they've done well to to get ahead of Chelsea. We're obviously looking for cover at left back because of Ben Chilwell's injury, and us of West Ham and Newcastle, like you said, we're also. So, I mean, that, that that shows that's promising for Villa because it shows that a player like Dina is, is going to go there, even though he might have chosen to go somewhere else. He's, he's obviously going to have to compete for the spot. I don't think he's just going to go straight in ahead of Matt Target. But, yeah, it, it's, it seems like a sensible and ambitious move for a team like Villa. Um, I think Dina's he's shown over the last three years, three or four years in the Premier League, that he, he's very dependable and his left foot and his delivery can create great goals for
0: sure. Alex it's a, it's a sign already in this window you know as i said earlier that Coutinho has already joined Aston Villa Denia he? is on the verge of joining Villa Steven Gerrard very much means business uh, at Aston Villa this month you know you could have forgiven him for for maybe making you know a, a kind of a slow January really giving that squad that he inherited a a proper chance to kind of come out and and you know kind of almost show them exactly what they're made of and, and whether or not they, they deserve to be a part of his long term future but here he is already bringing in uh, a top quality talent in Coutinho. Admittedly, not, not someone who's hit the heights that we know he can in, in recent seasons. Um, but then Luca Dignia as well and beating Chelsea to the punch. Um, you know, as, as Felix said there, you know, Villa showed this ambition by bringing in Gerrard in the first place. And Gerard is now starting to show the ambition that he has for Aston Villa
2: going forward. Yeah, he's been, he's been very decisive, isn't he? Um, I think he's had, a, he's, had, he's had long enough now... To kind of know what he wants from his players and what what he thinks those players can do for him. Um, it, it's been interesting watching Villa since he's taken over. They've got a very very set style of play now where they've got two centre backs and they've got two. They play four at the back, but they've got two full backs who go so high now um, when they've got the ball because the two centre backs just get protected by three central midfielders, um, and that's kind of how they play. And so I think Matty Cash is a brilliant attacking right back. I don't think Matt Target is so dynamic down the left. He's, he's very steady and he defends his back post well and he does have a decent delivery. But I think Lucas Digne is, is, is an upgrade in those terms that Gerard wants. Where he, wants a, he wants a left back who can get to the byline, who is playing up against an opposing fullback a lot. So I think in that respect, he sees Dina, as Felix says, as, a, as an upgrade. And why wouldn't you go out and get him if you Villa at the moment? And I think the interesting thing is that Digne is keen... On the move, that he sees that Villa are pushing forwards, and that Villa are a team who he believes are capable of competing for European places. Something he doesn't think about Everton. Um, now, whether whether he's right or wrong, only time will tell, and, and we'll wait and see. But certainly, this is all about Steven Gerrard's management. This is about players wanting to play for Steven Gerrard, much like Coutinho was. Um, I don't think either of these players would be going to Aston Villa if Dean Smith was still the manager. And that, that's not to denigrate Dean Smith. He did a fantastic job for a long time at Villa Park. But Gerard just has that law that players are looking at and they're looking at Villa and they're looking at Villa being able to spend and being able to bring in quality players. And they're seeing something interesting going on um, in the West Midlands there. And, and, and look, I, I think Gerard, he's still a novice manager. He did very well at Rangers. Um, they were helped. I think it's fair to say by Celtic losing their way um, during Gerard's time there. But he, he did a very good job there and they impressed in Europe much more than the two Scottish sides had done in recent years. And I think that was a good barometer of him as a manager. And I think since he's joined Villa, we're getting more and more of that. We're seeing see a side that that has a, has a defined style that is growing and he's impressing on the touchline with the decisions he makes and I think this is more decisive management that will help Villa in the second half of the season you know a lot was made about the money they spent last summer but you know they they sold Jack Greedish for hundred million they banked that money immediately they only have to pay all their other transfer fees they only get put on the accounts in installments over the course of players' contracts so there is money to spend and he he's more than happy spending it. And it's about bringing in quality. Coutinho will give them that added quality in second half season. Luca Dini will do that as well. And I think if you're a Villa fan, you're excited and you're looking upwards.
0: Felix, Luca as we said, was linked with a move to Chelsea. to obviously try and cover uh, Ben Chilwa's injury, obviously, out for the rest of the season. Um, it looks like they're going to now have to recall Emerson from Leon, But there is a bit of wrangling and a bit of, of kind of negotiations going on. And it seems strange with this involving Chelsea, a club who... You know, when it comes to permanent transfers, they're not shy in putting uh, buyback clauses into those moves. But loan out one of you know a man who was in the Euro final last year for Italy and, and kind of impressed there and helped to win the Euros, and they forgot to stick a recall clause in by the sands of it, and, and now they're kind of facing a bit of difficulty. It looks like they're going to have to pay some compensation.
1: Yeah, but um, I think, like you say, that if you're a club like Chelsea, I mean, they won't want to have done that. And if that is the case, then that is clearly a mistake on their part. But I think when you've got a manager like Thomas Tuchel and you, you need to sort of back him, I think it's, it's reasonable for the club to agree that they do need another left-back this month. And rather than buying another one, like, like you say, Emerson is a very capable player, um, as, as he's shown for Italy, and I think he's been doing quite well um, in France this season. So, yeah, that, it makes sense to get him back. And I think he will get some game time because he's fit and like he knows the system and everything. It's not like if you sign a new player coming in under a new manager, it might take a bit of time, but I think the benefit of having someone that's knows the system and everything and know all his teammates, it will be shown. And I expect that they will they'll be able to sort that out. It's probably just about the uh, the nuts and bolts of it. But yeah, I think obviously Ben Chilwell was playing so well that we didn't, um, after the start of the season, Lonzo played and then Chilwell was in and was playing brilliantly. So I think with their system, with wing backs as well, you need someone that, can can do both. They they rely so much on the width that they get from Chilwell and Rhys James on the other side that I think Emerson Emerson although they didn't want him last summer, I think he will he does fit the bill and they'll just have to they'll have to pay whatever it is that, that Leon want, I suppose.
0: Alex, that does raise an interesting question. That Felix said there that last summer, six months ago, Chelsea decided that they didn't want Emerson. And to be fair, I think for the majority of the time that he's been at Stamford Bridge, they've they've almost had a, a similar attitude. They've always treated him that way, haven't they? Yeah, exactly. And and that yeah. is that is my issue here. That when he comes back, yes, we can say that we could argue that he's got a point to prove and that he wants to show that his long term future lies at Chelsea. But then equally, you know, as, as you said there and as I've said there the way that he's been treated, you know, I'm not saying he's going to down tools at all, but it's going to take a strong person to kind of, he'll know in his heart of hearts that the only reason why he's back there, the only reason why he's getting the charts is because they've got injuries. So in terms of, in terms of getting that extra motivation, it might be a little bit difficult for him in the first couple of weeks.
2: Yeah, certainly. And especially considering that Marcus Alonso is still fit. And so Marcus Alonso is going to be ahead of him in the pecking order. So he, Emerson would be going back primarily to sit on the bench. Um, whereas Leon is playing week in week out Leon has been a, a very good shock window for him um, either to get a move to France in the summer on a permanent basis or to get a, a move elsewhere um, he can only really impress by playing regularly he goes back to Chelsea that's not going to happen so as you say motivation is going to be very tough for him um, and it would really take a, a real strength of character on his behalf Um I'd say I feel sorry for him in that respect but then you remember how much he's paid so I kind of don't but yeah you you feel sorry for him to some degree if Chelsea call him back and he goes there and for the next four months he's just sitting on the bench kicking his heels he gets a couple of minutes here and there in the cup well that's a waste of a second half of the season where he's concerned um, especially at a time when Italy are pushing with You know, they've got World Cup qualifiers, their playoffs in in March coming up, more internationals in the summer, a World Cup at the end of the year, all of which he wants to be a part of. Um, Roberto Mancini is a very loyal guy, but just because he was part of his Euro squad last summer doesn't mean he'll be part of his World Cup plans this year. Um, So it's interesting. I, I don't necessarily see why Chelsea need him, they have players that can play in that wing-back role, they've got Marcus Alonso, you can play there if you need a defensive player you can play Pulisic or Callum Hudson Odoi there if you need someone more offensive you've got Sol Niguez who has played there on occasion as well, I don't really see why they need to bring Emerson back but if they do, it strengthens their squad again and, and as they just go again in the second half of the season looking to try and win more trophies and then try and kind of kick-start their Premier League campaign again and get back into that title battle
0: Felix, Alex, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Really appreciate your time. As always, of course, you can keep up to date with all the latest transfer news across the Daily Mirror, Daily Express and Daily Star, as well as all of Reach's regional titles. But for now, it's goodbye.